Hello and welcome to the Edgy Futurist podcast. It's great to be with you again. This is episode 159. Don't forget that we have got a big back catalogue of 158 episodes. Uh, for those Actually, who are... Dan, we haven't got 158. I was looking at the numbers the other day. We've, right. we've, num- we've, we've not numbered some of them. And we've also we numbered, we've numbered some more than once. So maybe we should have used a spreadsheet yeah. to work those numbers out, see where, where the link there. But maybe yeah, we we've, should, got, we've, we've got more than 159. Maybe we should have consulted a math teacher there. We, we could do that. We can do that now. Um, and yeah, so we can, I don't know. I, we, I'm looking at a script here. And I don't know where I am now. Yeah, go, go and check out some of our, our great episodes. Uh, we I know I, I keep banging on about this episode because I loved it so much, but we had Josh Don on. In July, uh, Josh co-founded uh, the Ad Astra School with Elon Musk at SpaceX. Um, so we, we talked about some cool things there, kind of the, their whole philosophy of education and how it's all uh, revolves around problem solving and kind of hands-on education. Uh, you, We've got some, yeah, just go back, have a look through and um, yeah, just check it out. Let us know what you think. Leave a review or, or contact us on Twitter at twitter.com forward slash edufuturist and you can subscribe on youtube as well now steve is with us but steve can't talk in fact i'm gonna try and uh, steve try and talk let's let's hear this is me tonight um i sound like phoebe buffet um singing smelly cat or sticky shoe remember that episode everybody um i don't know what episode i think it was episode one five five nine of uh (laughs) so um i am here but the intro would not be as fun without Dan and Ben on it. So I'm going to sit patiently in the background, listening excitedly, and I'll pick my moment. And I'm going to say, I'm only going to ask one question tonight. It's going to be a big one. So I need to I need to pitch you well. Get yeah. ready for everybody. This is the episode where Steve loses his voice. Uh, we are excited today to excite to introduce our guest. It probably needs no introduction to most of you. Uh, we're delighted to be joined by Alice Keeler. Uh, if we were to list all Alice's certifications, we would take up the full hour. But suffice to say, she is an EdTech aficionado. Mm. I, I know you liked that idea, Dan, that word that I put in the script there. I knew that. It took, so, me, it took me by surprise. And it, it, <laughs> I, I, always, I always say to myself, I must read these scripts before we uh, start recording. Yeah. And you never do. Yeah. And you never do. <laughs> so... Uh, we are great. It's great to be joined by Alice, who is the author of a number of books, including 50 Things You Can Do with Google Classroom and a new one, Teaching with Google Jamboard, 50 Plus Ways to Use a Digital Whiteboarding Tool. In fact, I think that was co-authored with another guest that we've had on previously, Kim Matina. Kim Matina. Uh, so Alice has... 179,000 Twitter followers. Uh, follow her on at Alice Keeler if you haven't uh, done so already. But she still teaches in the math classroom in Kansas. And as we were just finding out before we came on the show, she is a mum to five children. So she's a busy, busy person. Um, and so we're going to uh, we're going to get into that today. Alice, it's great for you to join us. Thank you so much for uh, taking the time out to join us. Yeah, thank you. You guys are hilarious. And you steal all my jokes. I'm like, I was all prepared here for a spreadsheet joke. No. Spreadsheet joke. There's, there's never too many spreadsheet jokes on an EdTech podcast. No, they're not. <laughs> I'm, I'm so, going to have to come in here. Do you have your spreadsheet jokes in a spreadsheet? Can I just ask you? <laughs> Are they all listed and numbered? Hopefully, Dan didn't number them based on uh, the <laughs> But just putting it out there. Steve, that is your one question. So we'll, okay. uh, we'll see you later. Bye. Okay. Love you. Love you all. <laughs> bye bye. <laughs> So, so Alice, let's let's get into being serious. In fact, no, oh, we never, we, we never, 
we're never serious. So, well, let, let's let's get into talking to you because obviously we said in the intro that most people will probably won't need much introduction. In fact, when we tweeted out that we were going to be um, uh, interviewing you or speaking to you tonight, um, we had lots and lots of interaction and conversations about it uh, offline and online. So, thank you for that. But I know that. The part of what you, makes you you is the, the fact that you still teach. And in fact, I know that you uh, will be teaching. Is it later on today? You're going to be teaching as well? Oh, no, I already did this morning. You've already so done this I morning. Okay, sorry. In the mornings and then I use my computer all day. <laughs> so, so so why why is that still important to you? Because obviously you've got loads of other um, things you could be doing and loads of contacts, writing books, podcasts, all the things that you do. Why is teaching math still important to you? I mean, that, that's what I like doing. You know, I, I hope that we all get into teaching because we like kids. Uh, feels like a prerequisite. Um, it, that's a creative outlet. Teaching is a creative endeavor. And I think that a lot of times, and I would like to say particularly in math, I'm a math teacher. I have a degree in math. Um, we sometimes take that creativity away from teachers. And so where I, do you guys ever see the movie McFarland with Kevin Costner? Yep. Okay. So the antagonist in that movie is, um, is Clovis. That is the school district that I taught in for 14 years. You know, it's such a big deal to beat us in sports. They make movies about it and we're obviously real competitive. And it, it used to be for the, you know, the first 13 years, I mean, I just, to have such a passion for it. I, I started teaching three and a half years after I graduated. So I actually started teaching at the high school that I graduated from. And so the kids who were freshmen when I had graduated were now seniors. And they put me in the math class where kids couldn't add. I'm like, wait, there are kids who can't add at high school? Like I had no idea. My dad's an engineer. So if you're not good at math, you're nobody in my family. So if you know, that was something that we really emphasized. But then, you know, I go in there my first day and I'm like, oh, cute. They're using numbers. They're writing 420 all over the board. <laughs> like, so, so naive. <laughs> love it. And, love it. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I just really quickly realized that what motivates me to learn and, and to like math, um, which that's a whole story in of itself. I actually started college and said I want to graduate as little math as humanly possible. I'm terrible at this. But um it, it, you know, it's it's not the same motivators. They're basically like, well, heck with you, you know. And so every day has just been, okay, well, that didn't work. Not, not everybody today loves math. What am I going to do differently tomorrow? Uh, and so I've just really loved the, the not, you know, obviously the creat creativity that it takes to really engage somebody who's not engaged. The, the students that I have traditionally had as my students are the ones who hate math have not been successful. I teach high school, so they have not been successful prior to, to coming to my class. And, and the challenge is to help them to realize, of course you're a math person. I don't know if you can see the shirt that I'm wearing, but that's what it says, you're a math person. Uh, you know, and, and it really requires not a computer and, and not just cranking through a math problem a bunch of times, but helping to relate to kids, find a context that they care about. So my son this morning, he says to me, he's nine, I have five kids, so it's just one of them. And, and we just call them all, hey, you, you know, that's how I keep them straight. And uh, he says to me, mom, mom, if you, if someone gave you a million dollars to eat at all of the In-N-Out Burger restaurants. So I don't know if you guys have been to California, In-N-Out Burger is like legendary hamburger place. And I first, I'm just like, you're watching too much YouTube. I'm pretty sure that's like Mr. Beast or something. 
And then I thought, wait a minute, that's actually just like such a great math question. It's a low floor, high ceiling, lots of things to discuss. So I go into class today and I'm like, okay, you guys, I think this is like for Mr. Beast or whatever YouTuber and trying to make myself sound as old and as lame as humanly possible. Um, and we're going to discuss, you know, like for what rationale would you say, yes, you would do it for a million dollars? What questions do you need to ask in order to really answer this question? And of course, we did this in a spreadsheet. So one of the things that I have coded, I am a Google developer expert. So part of what I do is I code add-ons and different things. All, all of the stuff that I've made is free. And um, this particular add-on I think is really my best one. It's called template tab. You can just go to any Google Sheets spreadsheet and in the add-ons menu, you can um, just actually look up Alice Keeler. It'll, it'll come right up. And so it, it copies a graphic organizer per student within the same spreadsheet. So I've got all my students in the same spreadsheet so I can see what they're doing. Everyone can see, you know, if they click on different tabs. But I, I really just want them to show that they're thinking about it. But, you know, when I give them a problem uh, about Jeff Bezos, that was the last one that I did. They just really didn't care. They did not care. This was not engaging. Who's Jeff Bezos? You know, whatever. But, you know, now I'm throwing out Mr. Beast and a YouTuber and this challenge. Well, even my students who normally are not engaged were really into it. And so that to me is the, just the highlight of my day of my life is when a kid's got a bad attitude. And then one day they're like, hey, Miss Keeler, if I were to do this with these numbers, I'm like, yes, you know, that's that's the joy of teaching. I don't I don't want to give that up. I, I love it. And the only reason I don't do it full time is is this dichotomy of I also really love teaching and working with teachers. I, you know, I like to solve problems. Um, I have a premium membership and and with this, they'll sign in every week and they're, t I'm tired. This is taking too long. This is really inefficient. That's something I'm particularly good at is creating solutions to make things less cumbersome. So my husband, he's an English teacher. And I told him that I would help him to do some, this is years ago, I'd help him to do some, some of his grading. And then I found out he assigned every student to write a paragraph in a Google doc. And then I'm like, okay, wait, I didn't sign up for this. I'm not opening up 140 Google Docs. Like, that's bananas. Like, that'll just take too long. So I spent about 20 minutes sitting in my kitchen, and I coded alicekeeler.com slash pull the paragraph. And I literally used that the other day. That's still available. alicekeeler.com slash pull the paragraph. So what that does is I'm able to select the folder in Google Drive that has all these student Google Docs. And it sucks in into the spreadsheet all of the text from the Google Docs. So then I can see in one list, everybody's answers, their responses. It puts every paragraph into its own column. And I can read at what everybody put and I can give individualized feedback and I can push the feedback back to their Google Doc so that um, they get their feedback, but I don't have to open it. And I mean, that will save you hours. Sometimes I go out and do like a keynote or a presentation and I'm like, and here's my mic drop. I'm here's I'm gonna save you some hours. I'm gonna walk off. I mean, obviously I'm making a joke, but um I just get so excited and equally passionate about my students loving to learn as helping teachers to not feel burnt out or to find unique solutions or to be able to do things in a creative way. Yeah, I think there's there's a lot of 
I'm going to stop you because I feel like you, you'll probably just talk for the full hour. And, uh, <laughs> that's, and that's not a bad thing, but I think there's so many things there that we we want to like drill down into um, and not just let, let go. Uh, and I, there's a couple of things I want to get into. One of them being the fact that you didn't have the tech tools, so just created it yourself. I think... I think you're going to be like the the admiration of a lot of teachers for the fact that you've got the the, the skills to be able to do that. And I know we're going to come. Well, back, I'm totally self-taught. To we could all do that. Yeah, let's let's let let's park that one for a second because I, the first thing I, the first thing I want to get into is that whole idea of of putting learning into a real real world context. Mm, thanks for saying that. And I yeah, I just think especially with maths because <laughs> I. I I feel like when I went to school, which which wasn't too long ago, what, 20, <laughs> 20 years ago? How old are I? Yeah, 20 years yeah, ago. The, <laughs> the maths was just the teacher did did this some other equation on the board and then we had we had a we had a textbook which which just had literally lists and lists of example yeah. questions. So we went through, practiced, and then checked the answers ourselves in the back of the textbook. Yep. There was never a real world context there. And and it, as an adult now, I'm like God, I wish I wish I was good at maths. I wish I had a qualification in maths because there's, I, like, like my job is 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 all around educational technology, and I and and I spend a lot of my time telling people that that a lot of what a lot of what the world needs is is people who who know things about maths and 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 all the different careers that that can lead into, and but every time I say that, inside I kind of think. I wish I, I wish I had some of the skills that are associated with with All being right. better. I have a resource for you. Okay. Okay. So openmiddle.com. So okay. if you go to openmiddle.com, anytime yeah. someone says to me, "Oh, I'm not good at math," mm, shouldn't have said that. I'm going to prove to you that you are. You, of course, you are a math person. Of course, you are. Of course, you're good at math. No, I'm not. I'm not like. I'm not. I like. I, I know, I'm not missing I know some stuff, you know? but it's just like you know, like the the higher level, like uh, like problem solving side of maths, and you're you're and not good at just memorizing steps of something you don't understand. None of us are. I can't even memorize my phone number, Alice. Me either. That's reassuring. I, yeah, I, I can't have a phone <laughs> number. I literally don't know what it is. I know my son's phone number is something like three, four, five, six. And every time he tells it to me, I'm like, how'd you get that? Like, I just don't even remember. I'm like, oh, yeah, you have told me that like 50 times before. I am with you. And so which is why I feel like it's so important to teach students um, to be able to think through a problem. That's where my question was with this Mr. B, I don't know, it was Mr. B. So it just sounded like a Mr. Beast challenge. Yeah, well, uh, I think if 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 my teacher had put it into like a real world context, I think I would have I would have known known the relevance of it, and I probably would have applied myself a bit more. Yeah, so that's what I'm teaching this year. Is um, I was actually working with Joe Bowler at a Stanford on the data science initiative back in the early stages, and then I ended up moving to Kansas. Um, but you know, one of the premises for that is really algebra two is not that relevant for a lot of students. And to be honest with you, we just haven't updated that curriculum to take advantage of the fact that computers do exist. You, there is no reason to interpolate the zeros on a multi-dimensional uh, polynomial, like multi-degree polynomial. Why do that? Just put it into Wolfram Alpha. Boom, it's going to spit it out. Like. 
we spend all this time cranking out answers and it's even worse than when you and I went to school because the kids know they can photo map it. They know they can Google it. So it has even less uh, applicability. Like they know they don't need this. And we're trying to get all the students. Now I live in rural Kansas. I am literally in the center of the United States. And uh, many of our students will go to college, but more than half won't. They will, be, they will be very successful and they will be doing a lot of great things that will not require Algebra 2. But what do we offer them to help them realize, of course you can do math and you can apply it and be really successful when we try to deny the fact that computers exist. So using the idea of data science is looking at large number sets, like how many likes are there on Facebook? That's interesting. How many zeros are on a fifth degree polynomial I don't, who cares? Who cares? Hey, very true. Very true. I, I don't I, even know what you just said, Alice. Exactly. Did you just cast a spell on us? Yeah, there's some people who need that, and that's not most of us. Why is this a high school requirement? Why is it a college entrance requirement? We, there's a lot more things that are really relevant in how we can use math and engage kids with realizing that math is really useful than trying to continue to beat on the drum of a curriculum from the 1800s. Yeah, and, and that kind of uh, absolutely echoes what we've been talking about, or I feel like we've been banging a drum about for ages. It's about that real-world application, everything that and that, that I know that you and Dan were just talking about there, this idea that it should it should make sense. I think when when you when you talk about that and when you talk about the passion that you have for teaching and, and it, that's, that comes across really, really clearly, it's not just about uh, the tech stuff. It's, it's not just about... You do it for the money. Yeah, no. okay. It must be. I think I do. I used to do it for the holidays, but then I realized that I worked more than 50% of the holidays anyway. So I actually got fewer holidays than people who worked in the private sector. Uh, but anyway, uh, that's a <laughs> that's a whole thing. What 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 is really um, in, impressive, I think, from those of us who look at what you do from afar, is that, um, is that you managed to do that and maintain that passion there. Managed to be a mom to five kids, which is, which is, a feat in and of itself as well. Uh, be married to another teacher, um, which which again is another feat in and of itself. Um, but then all that content that you, that you kind of throw out and create, and um, not just on Twitter, but all the, all the stuff that you put on alicekiller.com. How do you kind of keep that stuff fresh? And for, considering you've been so long in this game, how do I keep it fresh? Nothing stays still. Like you can't be a Google user and like feel like, oh yeah, I learned that twenty years ago. I'm good. This morning they changed the interface. Have you guys seen the the menus in Google Sheets this week? They ain't the same as they were two weeks ago. Like I'm like the Google Sheets expert, and I'm like, uh, I can't find where I can uh, look for duplicate entries. I swear it took me five minutes the other day, and I'm like, where's this duplicate entries? And I'm feeling like a like a noob, and I'm like that. Spreadsheets are my thing. Um, you have to keep on your toes if you're using ed tech. I, I said this a lot of years ago. The the, com the computer generator, the, the exam generator, the test generator that my school was using just didn't work on the new version of Windows, right? And so we're all beating our chest that we can't keep – the tests themselves are in this test generator, so we can't even really access the old tests – we can't access this test bank. And what are we going to do? And I'm like, we're going to celebrate. Like, good, good. It Throw the baby out with the bathwater. Do it better. 
if you don't keep using the same test you've been using for 30 years. In fact, I took an intro to teaching class and I had to promise the teacher that I, the professor, that I would not teach. And one of the things that made me make that statement is I had to go make classroom observations and I was sitting in a math department meeting and, what, and they were debating what new textbook they were going to get. And one of the math teachers said he didn't want to get this new book. He wanted basically the new version of the old book because he didn't want to rewrite his test. And I'm like, I, that's, that's not me. I don't want to be that person. Like I want to do new things. Like if it's not working for kids, let's do something different. So I said, this, this profession isn't for me. And he obviously is not a representative. He's not an accurate representative of the teachers that I know. But that, that was what I saw when I was thinking I was going to be a math teacher. So I said, forget it. I'm going to be an actuary. I'm going to go make some money. I'm going to do statistics for a living. Um, Cause I totally have the personality just to sit in a cubicle all day. That's a joke. Um, and so I was working at a bank and the first, my first day of work at a bank and Clovis High School called me and said, hey, Alice, why don't you come in for a job interview tomorrow? Um, will you fill out an application? So uh, that's how I got started teaching is, is they, the school called me and asked me to start, start doing this. Um, I have now completely lost track of what point I was trying to make. I think you were. I think you were talking about how you you, you were how you kept fresh, but obviously oh, yeah. went from yeah, keep you fresh. Yeah, I just um, it doesn't work to keep doing the same thing. I have different kids every year. This year's kids aren't last year's kids. Yeah. I can't be talking about water bottle flipping or fidget spinners, you know. And I, I talk about Mr. Beast, but next year, who can I talk about? What can I talk about? You, there's always something new to do. In fact, yeah. I coded something this morning where I know there's a lot of teachers who are using Google Slides for choice boards. So if you do alicekeeler.com slash engagement hyperlinks, I think that's what I did. If it's not, I will make it that. Engagement hyperlinks, it will give you a template where you can, you can add as many text boxes or choice boxes as you want to the first slide. So on the first slide, you have all of your choices. And then if you use the add-on menu, it will generate a slide per choice so that it navigates through these different choices. I know a lot of teachers, you know, with the pandemic started using Google Slides in particular and trying to make those choice boards. That's really new. That, that, that wasn't something people were doing 20 years ago, but I see a lot of people doing it. But I'm like, it's so slow. It's, it's, it's a hard work to try and get all the hyperlinks for all of your choices. So um, that is a new thing that that I created this morning. And, you know, that's that wouldn't have been something I would have even thought of pre-pandemic. You know, what, what I love with that, though, I suppose, and I was talking to um, a group of educators in South Wales this uh, earlier today, this morning. So I've, I've driven back from South Wales. Anybody who knows anything about England, that's a good four and a half hour drive that I've driven <laughs> back from this afternoon uh, and for this evening. But the conversation that I was having with them was about um, it's really easy for a lot of tech companies or even not just tech companies telling education what they need as a solution. Yeah. And you're telling us this, this is, you need this new screen or you need this new device or you need this new application or this new piece of software or even a new add-on when actually it's not been a problem that, that, or, or, or any kind of itch that needs scratching. Um, mm -hmm. And what I really liked about what you were saying there is this is this is an itch that people are having. This is a problem that people are having. And actually, we need to design solutions that work from that from that basis. 
That's my jam. So yeah. I, <laughs> I work for this company, Schoolytics. It's the word school and the word analytics smashed together. So I have coded. It's alicekeeler.com. Just so we're clear, all my stuff is alicekeeler.com. alicekeeler.com slash reusegc. And what that does is it allows me to do things with Google Classroom that are challenging. Um, I can reuse multiple assignments at once is where it started, but it's become a monster. I've added all kinds of features to that. And, and I really love creating these solutions. But then when I saw this product, Schoolytics, I'm like, that's what I'm doing. Like, this is what I'm doing, but they have a better distribution model and, and they'll pay me as opposed to the other one where I do it for free. So... <laughs> So that's what I do. I just had a meeting with the CEO a few minutes ago of, of, you know, what pain points can we solve? How can we help teachers to share assignments? How can we uh, make group work? If you can believe you can't do group work in Google Classroom, that's what I want to do with my day is to help teachers go home at the end of the day and spend time with their family. I'm so passionate about that. We should be able to use technology to teach better and more efficiently and they just, I feel a lot of times technology solutions like power school, I'm a power school hater. It just, it, it sucks me to take more time. It's more of a hassle. It's more of a burden and it shouldn't be that way. Good ed tech design should not require PD. That's uh, that's a big statement. <laughs> a big statement. <laughs> I agree with that. I think, in fact, that's, that's what I've been thinking about recently in terms of in terms of student interfaces and how we how we communicate with students online and uh and i was just saying this to someone the other day if we've got to if we've got to teach them how to use it we're not doing it right we're not doing it right like not nowhere in in good ed tech does uh, or in good tech sorry um do you does someone sit you down like when you first downloaded the facebook app on your phone yeah. nobody nobody sat you down and and give you a tutorial on how to use it you, you, someone worked hard. People experienced in user experience worked hard, mm -hmm. so that so that it was intuitive. Um, and I think, uh, yeah, it's just yeah. it's a removing those barriers, isn't it? I agree. So when you go to schoolytics.com, uh, just a few months ago, you would have seen when you went in there that it has all of these wonderful data tables and spreadsheets. Yeah, it has spreadsheets now, but uh, progress reports and and things that are really helpful. But I I said this is. It needs to be easy. Like I have to point out to people that you can filter these things, that you can get this. In yeah, you can get that information, but you have to know that you're even looking for it. So uh, as of a couple of weeks ago, when you go on there, the, the home page now is these buttons that say start grading. I'm like, yes, that's what I needed. Start grading. That is That button has saved me so many hours. I can't even tell you. It just shows me who's turned in work by timestamp. It's amazing. And 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 I get it, right? I, I go right to the page. It says start grading. I know what that does. I know what it's going to take me to. I see it shows me a list of assignments with a timestamp. I click on it, opens it up, and I can grade it. It's It doesn't require PD with that interface where previously someone had to point that out. You could have gotten that information before, but you had to put a little effort into it. And so I feel like that's so important to just keep reminding products that we use that it, it should User experience is the most important. Unless, of course, they're really just trying to sell PD. They just want to sell people to come out and show you why their overly complex system requires somebody. <laughs> maybe that's what it is. Maybe that's what it comes down to, the fact that it keep, it keep maybe keeps some people in the job. Um, mm. but I, th I think I think the other thing as well, We I was talking to somebody um, 
just earlier this week talking about Google Classroom as a, as a just a tool in itself that we know that it's revolutionised teaching and learning um, where it's been used really well. Um, yeah. and the conversations yeah. we've had that I think what you've got to be able to do is somehow have that element of dashboard or a way to be able to see an overview and I know that other people are making are doing developer roles uh, around stuff of like that around dashboards and all the uh, and this is not a plug for Steve stuff here by the way. Mm. Steve, work, Steve works at C Learning and some of the team there are doing things like Classroom Toolbox that allows you to have that 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 data oversight and dashboard. So, it, so it, but the what I'm the, what I'm getting to with this is the point that actually we need to make sure that. W- we aren't just saying this is a fixed, closed, finished product. It needs to be evolving. And we, you, and that yeah. kind of comes back to what you were saying there about always uh, feeling like there's something new and something fresh is that we, we need to stay on the ball, don't we, with this? And and that's not just ed tech products. That's just us as, as, as teachers and the future of education. We need to stay on the ball. We as teachers need to learn and grow and, and, yeah. and find things like that. I think about this sometimes, like if I was a principal, which mad props to all those people who are principals, um, I don't want to do it just because I really like being with the kids. Um, whatever. It doesn't matter why I don't want to do it. That's not my calling. God bless you. I thank you for doing that. Um, now, I, again, forgot what I was going to say because I felt like I put my foot in my mouth, <laughs> which I didn't mean to because I I like teaching because. Mm. Yeah, yeah we, we were talking about being, um, if you were a principal, then you'd, you, I think in terms of like as in um uh, that lifelong learning and that development. Okay, yeah, yeah. If I was hiring people, I think the really only quality that I would want is whether or not they have a growth mindset. It's teaching. If you don't have a growth mindset, this job's just going to be a lot harder. Um, that would be, that's it. <laughs> oh gosh. Agreed. Love it. No. I, 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 I absolutely agree. Dan, Dan's uh, I think, I think that the growth mindset, the ability to want to keep on growing and keep learning is is in most teachers in fact most of the teachers that we get to work with they are it's not that they don't want to learn it's almost that they don't know there's so much movement there's so much happening and also it's teachers it's great what you said there about teachers like working crazy hours the average teacher in the uk is working between 55 and 65 hours a week uh, some more than that and and that's 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 not conducive with um, a good life balance is it no no, no I, feel, so, I counsel a lot of teachers like you just need to decide you're done at four o'clock I mean I get up at 4 a.m and I start working and then I just decide I'm done for the day you know I'm not saying everyone should get up at 4 a.m I get before him because I, I need to code and do some some Alice things early in the morning but um and then I make my lesson plans before I go to school but the um Parkinson's law says that it will take you as long as you have and so if you allow yourself to, to teach 24-7, then it's going to feel like you're doing teaching 24-7. And it is it is possible. My husband teaches English. He does not bring work home. And he's an amazing English teacher. Um, but it's, it's hard. It's a commitment to saying this is the time I have. What can I accomplish in that time? But more than that is, you know, what tools, and that's where I love ed tech, what tools help me to do this? So like this alicekill.com slash pull the paragraph, if, if, you, if it takes you two less hours to grade papers, that's two more hours you get to spend with your family. So that's my passion. Yeah, that's cool. And I, I know another one of your passions is is the, the coaching side of things as well, which I guess kind of links in with, with this and, and helping teachers develop. Uh, could you just give us a bit of an insight into, into what you're doing with, with all of that? 
with coaching teachers. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I obviously like to talk, <laughs> um, but I, I work with teachers at my school. I do have a, a period where I am the, the tech coach and I have been doing that for many, many years. Um, I started teaching in 1999 and probably 2000, I got the, the position of tech coach, pretty much just in title. I mean, I still taught full classes. Um, but, you know, through Twitter and my blog, how many people am I interacting with on a daily basis? And I, I just, I'm on the lookout all the time for someone saying, this isn't working. I'm tired. Why can't I do this? And then either finding some resources to be helpful or making a resource. I'm like, oh, you're right. Why, why can't we do that? Here, try this. Um, I do that a lot. And so a, a pretty significant chunk of my day is, is really interacting and talking with teachers. That's um, and definitely helps me to keep fresh because I find all these things that are annoying to people that aren't just annoying to me, right? So the things that are my pain points aren't the same pain points to like a foreign language teacher. Uh, one of the things I have, gosh, I got to remember what this is. It's alicekeeler.com slash translate chat. Ah, alicekeeler.com slash translate chat. Yes. So that is it. So if you do alicekid.com slash translate chat, it's going to give you, anyone want to guess? That's right. It's a spreadsheet. It's a hard guess. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> um, but what it allows you to do is to put chat messages into column A. So if you were to share this with your students, and I made this during the pandemic. So we're talking about students who are on a Google Meet. And so everyone can be on a shared document at the same time. Not that it can't be used in a face-to-face -face situation. Obviously, it can. But instead of doing their chat in the sidebar, so what some teachers were sharing with me is that language was a challenge for some of their students. They're not native English speakers, and they couldn't participate well in all the chat that was going on during class. So I made this spreadsheet so they could do the chat in the spreadsheet. So everyone can see the whole chat, kind of the same thing, but again, it's going through the spreadsheet. It automatically translates to 26 languages. Wow, that's yeah. cool. <laughs> so each column is a different language and it's just automatically will translate it to each one of those columns. So as they, so they, the students can type in any language, well, any Google supported languages, there's a whole list of them that Google supports. Um, and so you just type those in there and then, and then everybody gets to participate. And so, but I wouldn't have thought of that because that's not a, that's not a challenge I was having, you know? Yeah. And, and that's, that's the important thing about working with others, isn't it? And helping them, even that, even the Google coaching model that, that kind of uh, a lot of us have gone through have worked with, with, with teachers on as well has been, it's really hard. I find anyway, maybe it's just me, not just um, telling people how to solve the problem or giving them the answers it's about it's about helping them find a solution together isn't it and, mm -hmm. and and talking through possible solutions and then helping them navigate that that kind of implementation of that yeah yeah it is yeah it is guys um thanks 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 for that uh dan steve um i i'm, I'm glad you agree with me ben they do they do they do. They, I, they I do. I just can't speak, Ben. But yeah. I, I'm, I'm here, I'm yeah, here I'm nodding. It's a podcast. I'm here nodding. Everybody. The chat and doesn't. So. <laughs> Love it. Love it. So, 
that title, the Queen of Spreadsheets, I think is an absolutely fair title, by the way. Um, because because in the 35 minutes that we've been recording so far and the 15 minutes before that, I think you've mentioned spreadsheets about 17,000 times. And obviously spreadsheets are... Just to, just to clarify, I counted it was 159, but I'm not sure if I've counted all of them in. So <laughs> I think it's 159, I'm not sure. Very, very, very good, Steve, very good. Dan counted 158. I think. Did you know? It's all right. Steve's better at maths than me, as we've established. Right. <laughs> We're all good at maths and we've established. <laughs> Alice, I'm absolutely horrific at maths. I hate maths. I'm coming over. Oh, I'm stop saying that. We're going to go to openmiddle.com and we're going to do some problems on here. And I'll prove to you that you are good at this. Openmiddle.com is higher critical thinking math problems where you cannot get it right the first time. So we're just going to take away the anxiety that you're supposed to know what to do and just let you think about it. And when you are given the opportunity to think about it, you, of course, do really well and enjoy To be it. fair, I've just checked openmiddle.com and it did say you mentioned spreadsheets 159 times. So it works. <laughs> So openmiddle.com doesn't have any spreadsheets on there. <laughs> and maybe it would like to rescind my endorsement. <laughs> they have Google Slides on there. Yeah, love it, love it. So obviously, Queen of Spreadsheets. Um, who called you the Queen of Spreadsheets, by the way? Everybody? Everybody. She created it on her computer and laminated it and put it on the fridge. Just put it out there. At least did you and name I, yourself well, Queen of Spreadsheets? Job title. That is what I put down. Yeah. Okay. To be to be fair, that's a good that's a good job title to have. Like it's better, um, it's better than Transponster. So um, it's, uh, <laughs> we'll take it. Yeah. Good. Alice, are you wearing a pin badge that says Queen of Spreadsheets? There. I have stickers. I, it. <laughs> I have stickers. Um, so if anyone sees me in person, I can probably give you the answer. Is always a spreadsheet sticker, but. Yes. No, the shirt I'm wearing does not have a, a badge on it that says you're a math person. And I just want to make sure everyone understands, of course, you're good at math. So, so as we kind of uh, think about where, where we're going with it, obviously, you have you are um, not just in the Google world either. And that's I think we were, we were talking about certifications, and I wasn't even joking. I went on your website to look at the certif certifications you have. You have, like, loads of them. Yeah. Um, um and and don't make a joke about spreadsheets anybody else please at this no. point but um but obviously you've got loads of certifications and one of one of the things that i was really um intrigued to see considering i know how much you love using uh, google for education is that you have a number of microsoft certifications as well Microsoft's awesome. how how do you how do you manage the two worlds because that's that's a that's a challenge for us in the in the uk is across the world um like how do we manage that and it's not like um that they're against each other because they work together it's not that i didn't mean that what i mean is how do you navigate both worlds well i think you just have to have a need so the you know originally obviously google didn't exist when i started teaching in 1999 there there was not google docs sheets slides um and so I, I was using microsoft in fact when i started the teaching credential program in 1999 they had wheeled this giant LCD projector into the into my classroom for my teaching class. And they said, hey, we got this big LCD projector. If anyone wants to do PowerPoint, I'm like, oh, I don't know what PowerPoint is, but I'm going to do that. And so I just made the world's worst PowerPoints for a while. I went down to Best Buy, the computer store, and I bought this 
wallet of CDs. It had like 50 CDs in it of clip art. And I had a lot of clip art, like a lot uh, on these PowerPoints that I was teaching with. And so, you know, I, I got started using Microsoft and I would just walk around campus. I'm like, what are you doing? That looks really inefficient. And I go back to my classroom and on my prep, I would make the secretaries access databases. And so we eventually threw away all of the typewriters at my school and we were running, like all the offices were running different access databases. You go into the detention office, we 10 key in the student's ID number, it prints out every time they've ever been into the office. Now mind you, this is way long ago before we really had systems that would do this. It's not so revolutionary now, but at the time, um, so I like, I'm, I'm really good at office, but what Google had when they first came out is that collaboration piece. And I just like, yeah, I can have a lot cooler fonts and I can have a lot cooler templates using office. And I'm really, really good at office, but, but I, I just can't beat having two people on the same document at the same time. So I just went to Peru this last week to go teach teachers at, um, at a school in, outside of Lima actually in Spanish. My Spanish is not great, but they are extra gracious. And I had was working on the slides on the plane and I had sent the, I shared the link to my slides with the teacher in Peru. And when I walked in the door at the school, uh, they already had my slides up on the wall. Like they were already, they were projecting them. It was all set up, uh, which normally I like to use my own computer, but um, you know, I'm just going to roll with it. But, but just that ability to, hey, let me give this, I'm not even done with it. You know, this is what I'm working on. You can give me some advice. Is, uh, make sure that this presentation is going to be what your teachers need. Uh, I will give up fancy fonts and fancy things for the collaboration. Now, of course, over the years, Microsoft has come on board and, and it's probably pretty close to being equally as good at, at collaboration pieces. So, you know, it's not the tool that makes good teaching. It's the desire to work with others. It's it's that I'm always making myself better, that I, I don't keep using the same Word document year after year, but I've got a dynamic thing that I'm able to update and share. I mean, Microsoft products, you can do a lot of the same things, but not this last year because I'm teaching at a school that is a Google school this year. But the school that I was working with uh, the previous year was Fresno Unified, and Fresno Unified very much loves Microsoft products and Minecraft, which I'm a big Minecraft fan. Uh, and so I had an opportunity to to use it. So I haven't used Microsoft a whole lot this last year, just because I've I'm not working with that school anymore because I moved. I'm no longer in California. I am in Kansas. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm so answer to... is, you know, just use what works good you know lets you do what you need to do don't worry about who made it i've got one question yeah I'm, I'm only allowed one question so hopefully this is coming i'm okay. showing now i'm literally showing at least i know I, you put nobody can see you on the podcast i can see that you've put your ear to your microphone yeah. which is um not your microphone because that's weird um so you've mentioned lima and i know you do a lot of traveling you work with a lot of teachers a lot of organizations a lot of countries what have you learned recently and what are your biggest learnings over the last six months to 12 months from other people? Because I know people are learning from you. What have you learned to take into your practice from others, maybe? That's got to be the biggest answer I could possibly give. I mean, I mean, just even today, I, I learn new things all the time. That's why I'm on Twitter, right, is, is seeing what people are sharing. I love following all these math teachers like Annie Fetter, 
um, Howie Waugh. Um, gosh, I'm going to leave a bunch of people out, so I'm just going to stop talking right now. But like, they're putting out there these challenges that just help me to be a better teacher in terms of stop talking, stop talking else. The students need to do the talking. You know, how is this relevant? What's the context? Um, what are multiple ways to approach it? You know, the eight mathematical practices didn't exist when I was a student in school. And so all of these uh, things with the four C's and different technologies, we're all learning from each other. There's just not enough PD in the whole world to, to get all these great strategies. So, I mean, my big things for, for this last year is maybe even just take away the question and see what questions the students can come up with based on that information. That's cool. Um, I, I guess as well, as someone who's kind of been in this game game a while now, and you were talking there about, about the different trends within EdTech over the last decade and, and beyond that, mm -hmm. um, I, I suppose coming out of, well, fingers crossed, because it doesn't look like it at the moment, but when we do kind of return to normal after, after COVID uh... and, the, and the pandemic, and and we've got a lot of lot of teachers with 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 brand new skills and and we talk yeah. about this a lot on the podcast that about resisting that urge to go back to how it was and to keep developing our our technology skills. Where where do you see edtech going in the next in the next five years? I would I know I know there's a lot of talk about AI and, and automation in the classroom, yeah. uh, but from from your side being in the classroom, but also on the developer side of things. Well, yeah. what do you, where do you see the trends going in the next five years? I feel like years? I'm about to predict that everyone's going to have a 3D printer. Do you remember probably 15 years ago, that was the big prediction. We're all going to have a 3D printer. Yeah. In <laughs> I remember, yeah, yeah. And now nobody does. Uh, I used to have three 3D printers and now I have none. Um, you know, the, the, I, I cringe when you say back to normal. I, just the world has just changed so much and the expectations of students and, and to have a voice in their learning has just changed so much. And it's to me, it would just be so criminal to go back to the way that it was. Um, and not because necessarily the way that it was was bad, but we always have to be moving forward. It, we should never be stuck in a, a century that doesn't exist anymore. Um, so I, you know, my hope is that what we really learn from this is, as one of my favorite researchers is Thomas Gusky, is that there, there's no average time to learn something that why is everybody on the same pacing guide? Why is everybody doing the same thing, the same answer, the same way? And I think a lot of that reason is not because it's good pedagogy, but because you've got one person, one teacher who has to manage all that and you're asking me to differentiate is really asking too much. Uh, and I'm talking old school. It's, it's, it's very challenging. There's only so many limitations we have. And I think now that we've had these opportunities to say, now I'm not a fan of asking one teacher to do two jobs at the same time. And that is teach remotely and face-to-face -face at the same time. That is, that is something that we do in a crisis that doesn't make it a good idea. That's my opinion. And I would really welcome anyone um, countering that. I, I would definitely listen. I, I, th I don't think you hear that a counter from us on that because I, I absolutely agree. Um, and we, we, one of the analogies that we used was that, um, some people talked about half and half learning so that somehow you'd have some students in the classroom and some students at home. And that as a management for management was really like almost impossible for anybody that, that was doing it. And most of the time that was mandated by people that weren't doing it or exactly. hadn't been in the classroom for a long time. And we talked about it being, um, there's a, there's a 
there's a delicacy. I don't know if it's a delicacy, but in England we we used to have the if you go to the local like fish and chip shop, you can get half rice, half chips, and curry sauce. So it's like a half and half oh, type oh, job. Oh, oh. But we actually said that it, that was what the analogy that was talked about half rice, half and half. But actually, we, we thought it was more like half rice, half chips, and engine oil because it yeah. neither because it just ruined yeah, it. That's so too- jello and gravy. Yeah, it, it just it just 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 doesn't work, does it? Um, and I think what I'm what I'm taking from what you've just said there is, and what we've been uh, talking about for throughout this time is that it, this is a new normal. What we're going into will always be a new normal, and I think that's what um wh- what we need to learn from. I think that's what where Dan was going with that, and I, I agree with what that as we return to something that is kind of not just massive disruption that we've had. I think the the conversation needs to be that we need to learn from this. And some of the things that you're talking about, I think we've we've got to, um, or many of the things we've got, we've got to take into the, the next steps. 2022 is probably going to be disrupted again. um, And we know that we're going to have to learn to live with some of this difficulty, but how do we, what what things can we learn? We're talking about blended. I'd like to about... be, if you don't mind, Debbie Downer for a minute. And that's an SNL reference. And, <laughs> love it, love it, yeah. You know, the thing that I've really noticed from the pandemic is the enhancement of people's mental challenges. The people suffering from depression, suffering from anxiety. And I'm going to cry because that's my kids. It's my personal children, right? And my friends, I see how my friends struggle just trying to make it through every day. My teacher friends, my non-teacher friends, my students, but my, my own daughter, my own son, that, you know, this trauma and, and, and this disruption in their routines was really, really hard for a lot of people. Yeah. And... I, I really extra hate this return to normal because it's it's just not recognizing how hard even normal was for a lot of people. Yeah. And that we don't maybe do as good of a job of what do I do when I have a, a kid who like one of my students, her brother was murdered last year. You know, she has a bad day sometimes and and she's not going to learn math today. You know, so how do I create a learning environment that allows kids with a variety of needs? My daughter suffers from high anxiety that really by a certain point in the day, she sometimes just can't interact with people anymore. She needs a break, you know, and the school system, a traditional model says you have to sit in this chair all day. You have to sit here, sit, raise your hand to go to the bathroom. Be right here. We're all going to do the same thing together. When we, I think, have learned we can break the pacing guide. We can allow people to to have some portion of their education um, be on their own. You know, you don't have to get behind. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. And I think we're, we're really grateful for you, that that kind of personal story. And it's a personal story for all of us that yeah. we've all gone through and, and had to support people that have found this really tough um, and, and and we know that we've got to do something different. In fact, yeah. one of the phrases that, that I know um, 
we we like to talk about, but Dan came up with it, so I should re, I should absolutely give him credit for it. Was that um, we we kind of led to believe that that school and, and teaching will evolve over time, uh, mm-hmm. and that it's it, it gradually going to get better and better and better, and it just isn't. It stays just as very similar. So it does need uh, whether we like it the phrase or not. It does need some kind of revolution. Does need yeah. something that says that enough is enough. Um, mm-hmm. We need to stop trying to pigeonhole young people into a box that they must do all these things in this way at that time. Um, let's, let's be personalized. Let's think about the development of individuals as opposed to that utilitarian concept of education that somehow we've got to churn out children and young people that are going to go into a world of work and they're going to function in society. Yes, but they are individuals first and foremost. And actually the development of character development of something more than their exam grades or their GPA is they're more than the GPA, aren't they? Right, Ben, they are more than a GPA. I just couldn't agree with you more. That is something I definitely am very passionate about. I was talking to my principal this morning. He's saying, they're looking at changing the model that we do. We, you know, we have algebra one, geometry, algebra two, you know, what other kinds of systems do we want to do? And I just said, let's stop just forcing everybody to go into algebra two. We really need to like, a lot of these people are going to be entrepreneurs. How are we teaching them to start their own business and feel like they can use math and not just crank out formulas to compete with a calculator? Let's rethink who they are as people and how it's applicable to them. So that's totally my that's my jam. Yeah, it's been it's been great to talk with you, Alice. And great to talk um, no, it's 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 great to to because I think like we we've been aware of the work that you that you've done for for a lot of years, and and, you. and you've been a go to for for resources and 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 I guess when somebody's putting themselves out there as 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 somebody's a go to for resources, it's quite easy for people just to see that person as as almost just a resource bank mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. I'll just go and, and find some tips for EdTech. But actually there's a human being behind it. There's, a, there's somebody <laughs> who's, who's putting a shitload of work into this and really, really, really going for it to make lives better. And, um, and, and as you were talking there, we try, we try to give this episode a title. So it'll be edge futurist number one, five, nine, then the title with Alice Keeler. And I was just thinking there, uh, what we're going to call it. Cause straight after the episode, as soon as we stop recording, I'm going to, make it put it onto youtube and put it onto our podcast channel i think what we're going to call it so i was listening there thinking and and i've just called it like ed tech ed tech can make life better yes thank you and and i think that kind of sums up uh to to be fair i originally put (laughs) ed tech can make school better and then when you were talking there i was like i think it's more than this i think it's more than making school better i think it's about making lives better and i think I think you kind of epitomize that and, and, and are a model for that for us as educators. So thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks for joining us, Alice. We really appreciate it. And uh, don't forget, everybody, as you have listened to this, um, check out Alice's work. You probably already have already, but alicekiller.com. Uh, and there's, there's a, you, honestly, you could spend weeks finding new things on there. So thanks again, Alice. Thanks for joining us. And uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Cheers, Alice.